are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt. We are coming to you a couple days later than we originally planned to. Uh, we're on uh, October 28th today. Sorry about that. We were in the middle of recording. I think we were actually like 45 minutes in, and uh, I had a severe thunderstorm happen in my area, and it knocked out all the power and then internet for like five hours afterwards. And by the time I got on here, we lost all the recording files, um, and then... You know, we had the two World Series games that we uh, that we wanted to be able to watch, but we're back today. We'll recap um, what happened in the championship series a little bit. We'll go through that quicker than what we had before, um, and we'll spend most of it going over the the start of the two World Series games we've had. But before we get into all that, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I've, had a, I've had a pretty good week. Uh, it's been fun watching my Braves in the World Series for the first time. And, uh, well, Spoiler since I was- alert. Oh yeah, we we already know at this point though. <laughs> um, but yeah, the first time in 22 years, and that's um, you know that's been a lot of fun. I was trying to get tickets, but the cheapest ticket, it, it, it's crazy. The it would be cheaper for me to buy a plane ticket, fly to Houston, and have gone to game one or two, and fly back, including a hotel room, than it would have been for one ticket to the Braves to the to Atlanta. That's how much like the Atlanta ticket. Atlanta tickets for standing room only are going for a minimum of like $1,100 right now. Mm-hmm. So um, that's not that's going to be a no-go, even though I badly wanted to go. And I was, I was willing to pay like five $600 to go to a game. And like, it's, it's just ridiculously more than that. But um, it's kind of unfortunate. But uh, but yeah, um, so I've had a good week, a lot of fun. I'm super excited to see what happens over the weekend. Uh, got a good start to the, to the series and a lot of interesting uh, news going on around it. And, um, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and dive right in. Um, we'll start over with a, a new manager hiring that we had though. That's, uh, the Cardinals hiring their bench coach, Oliver Marmol as the, their new manager. Yeah. So, um, Oliver Marmol, um, uh, he's actually a former player from the Cardinals minor league system back in the, um, back in the, um, uh, back in the mid two thousands. I think he was like a sixth round pick. Um, and he never really made it big as a player, uh, never made it to the major leagues or anything, but, um, you know, he was, was brought in kind of as a hitting coach in the lower minors, um, for the Gulf coast league. And then he was, you know, put a, as a manager in one of the lower minor, uh, one of the lower minor league teams for, for the Cardinals. And he's kind of worked his way up. He became the first base coach in 2017 and the bench coach in 2019. And, um, you know, it's kind of an organizational guy that the, the Cardinals front office apparently really likes, um, he seems to be fairly well respected and that, you know, by the players and stuff as well. Um, he's only 35 years old, which is interesting because the Cardinals are going to have at least two players next year that are, uh, going to be in their final seasons that are, um, that are over 35. You got Wainwright and Yadier Molina, are both over 35 years old. Plus, you know, whoever else they might add, um, you know, Hey, you never know if they have the universal DH, you might see Albert Pujols have his final year in, in, uh, in, uh, as, as a Cardinal. So that would be pretty cool to see, but, uh, but yeah, so we'll see, uh, we'll see how this goes. Um, the, the Schilt firing is kind of weird, but it sounds like this guy's probably more receptive to what the front office says. Um, so, I mean, I think Schilt was more of a little bit more old school. Um, 
you know, sometimes it's good to have a good mix of that old school and new school. If you look at the, you know, you look at the teams in the world series right now, it's an old school manager and a really analytically minded, uh, front office. I think that's a good mix to have. Um, so, but anyways, we'll see, um, you know, we'll see what happens here. It's, it's definitely interesting. And, and the Cardinals do have enough talent to where, you know, coming off the 90 win season this year, you know, you could see them definitely being a contender next year. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully for Oliver Marmol and, uh, you know, the Cardinals, this works out for him. It's an exciting opportunity for a very young manager. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. It, it was a little weird with the Schilt firing, but, um, you know, if, if they see that Marmol will be more open to their analytical views or whatever, then I guess good for them. We'll, uh, we'll see, but let's go ahead and move on to, let's wrap up the, uh, the NLCS from when we, you know, last talked to you guys, the uh, it was right after the Dodgers had come back in the eighth inning against the Braves to win that uh, that game at home and make the series two one. Um, and then after that, in game four, it was the uh, the Braves going to the bullpen game. The Dodgers having Julio Urias up there. Um, Braves kind of took a hold of that one pretty single handedly and, and won that game nine two. Um, game five, Dodgers were doing a bullpen game. Braves had Max Fried, good chance to close it out and. Max Fried kind of didn't have his best stuff. Dodgers ended up winning that game 11-2 in a blowout. Um, and then game six, it was Walker Bueller versus, um, I think it was Ian Anderson. Uh, Bueller was on three days rest. Uh, pitched pretty well, but then Eddie Rosario hit a big three-run homer run off of him in like the fourth inning um, to give the Braves the 4-2 win and move on to the World Series, as Bruce said so far. Yeah, so uh, this that was that was a very good series. Um, you know, just brief wrap up of it. Um, there were some really interesting decisions in that series. Uh, I believe we talked about last week when uh, in games one and two. Um, well, it, not necessarily games one and two, but but in, you know, in the last game of the division series, uh, you know, the Dodgers threw Max Scherzer out of the bullpen, and then in game two of the championship series, they threw Julio Arias out of the bullpen. Uh, which typically for, you know, you would see that like, like a few years ago with the nationals did a lot of that, um, you know, throwing a starter out of the bullpen kind of on their, their, um, kind of on their, the day they would typically throw a, a bullpen session. Um, but, um, you know, for a team like the Dodgers that has such a deep bullpen, it didn't make all that much sense to me. Cause you know, you have Kenley Jansen and you have, you know, Blake Trinan and you have Bruce Dar Gratterall, you have all these guys and, um, you know, it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me to have Julio Arias uh, come into the game when Bruce Dar Gratterall was sitting there in the bullpen. So, um, you know, if you're in a situation where you have to have a pitcher come in and, you know, your only option is like Tony Gonsolin, maybe. But like you're in a situation where you've got like an elite reliever sitting there in the bullpen and you're going with a starter, which, you know, obviously Julio Arias, Max Scherzer, both those guys are great pitchers and can get you out of a, a problem. But I think that really hurt hurt them in their next starts. You know, Scherzer had his dead arm, and he never pitched again after game one of the – or after game – it was game one of the uh, championship series. And then Julio Arias did not look very good in his uh, relief outing, and then he did not look very good at all in his start, gave up three home runs to the to the Braves, including uh, two to left-handed pitcher, left-handed hitters, which is kind of unusual for Arias. So, um, you know, you got to game – get down to game five uh, – you know, got, got back to Atlanta with a uh, 3-2 lead for the Braves. And then game six, um, the Braves, you know, hit Walker Bueller pretty well, which kind of a microcosm of that because Bueller typically wouldn't have thrown, gone on three days rest there. That would have been Scherzer's day. But with the, you know, fact that he had been used and, and his arm was fatigued, they had to go with Bueller on three days rest. 
and Bueller was pretty good, but the Braves hit him real hard, and they did. And while he did limit the damage early, they broke through in the in the fifth inning with the Rosario home run. So, um, you know, it's one of those things. And then, you know, later in that game, I think the biggest key for the Braves was that the bullpen in this series, which had been really rough in the previous, um, you know, in the regular season at times, really inconsistent. The bullpen came through, and Tyler Matzik was a major reason why. And he pitched maybe the best inning I've ever seen from a reliever. When he threw, he struck out the side on 11 pitches with the tying run on second base and a, and you know a, a guy on third as well. So um, that was a, a very big deal for um, for the Braves and they were able to advance to the World Series. Yeah, it really was, and it you know like you said, it having to pitch Scherzer in Game Five of the, the division series and then his arm troubles, Urias coming out of the bullpen. I mean, the pitching just didn't the starting pitching at least for the Dodgers, which was supposed to be one of their strengths, didn't look well. But also their lineup was really bad. Uh, I mean, Mookie, I think Mookie, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, and Corey Seager. I don't think any of them in the series hit over two hundred. Um, you know, the, think, the the whole offense came from really Chris Taylor and Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I think I think Trey Turner did hit over two hundred. I think he hit like two thirty something or two forty. But for the that batting, last game, he had yeah, like two he hit a three hits. hits. He he did, but you know, for Trey Turner, a guy who won the batting title this year, yeah. like it was still nowhere near what he's typically at. And and the fact of the matter too is that Trey Turner. Uh, also did not have but he might have had one extra base hit in the entire series yeah so even when he did get hits like you know Seager hit a couple home runs that were pretty big in games Mookie Betts had a double that you know took the lead in game three you know C- Turner really didn't do anything of more than more than just hit singles and he I think he stole one base but that's also a guy that's worn out the Braves when he was a member of the Nationals so it was really a disappointing series for him it was just a disappointing series for the entire Dodgers offense, to be honest. So, but let's go ahead and jump over to the uh, American League Championship Series. Um, when we had talked to you guys last, we were in the middle of Game Four, I believe it was a two-one game, Boston, um, and that is not anywhere near how that game ended up turning out. Um, Boston kept the lead until the eighth inning, until um, I believe it was Garrett Whitlock ended up blowing the save, allowing a run in the eighth inning. They brought Nathan Eovaldi in in the ninth. Um, and he had got it. I think there was two or three people on, and then there was a blown strike three call, and it kind of just went downhill from there, and the Astros ended up scoring seven in that ninth inning uh, to win that game 9-2, and that was, I think that made it a 2-2 series at that point. Um, game five, Houston came out, and they got an early run in the second. Um, Chris Sale battled for a while with them, but then in the, uh, in the sixth inning, Houston was able to score five runs tack on another in the seventh, ended up winning that game nine to one. Um, and then we had game five, which was back in Houston and Houston just dominated it. They got an early run, um, in the first and just held Boston to only two hits the rest of the game and, and yeah. go ahead and move on to yeah, the World the, series. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting series. I think the big thing you came, that came out of this series was the fact that, um, I think that the Red Sox just didn't have quite enough depth in their in the back end of their bullpen. Uh, you know, I think their starting rotation held up for the most part, but you know that they're they're trying to run these guys out in the bullpen, like like you know Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck and you know some of those guys, and they just haven't done it. They're they're just not super experienced. The moment's pretty big, and I don't know if the moment was necessarily too big for them, but it was one of those things where they just, I don't think they, you know, had that extra 
you know, I, I, they, there's the lack of experience really hurt them. And you face a lineup like the Astros, and I mean, the Astros were the best lineup in baseball against both left and right-handed pitching. So, um, and you also have, you know, you have a team that their starting starting rotation for the Red Sox was okay, and then the bullpen was a little bit leaky, and you saw that. And uh, you know, the big thing to me is that the the Red Sox. You know, their their thing all year long has been that they were hitting so well, and their thing in the postseason so far had been that they were hitting so well, and they just didn't hit late in the series. And um, you know, it was kind of disappointing on their side to to not be able to to do a lot in those last couple of games, especially in, in Game Six, because Luis Garcia just shut them down, and he had not had a great series. So um, definitely an interesting look in that one, um, Houston obviously with that lineup um, and, and what's been a fairly underrated bullpen. Um, they, uh, you know, they definitely were the, were the better team and, and moved on in, into the world series. So. Yeah. So then you mentioned that world series, it's um, Atlanta versus Houston. Um, the first two games are in Houston um, early on. I think it was the first ever leadoff home run in the world series. If I believe that was right by Jorge Soler, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Jorge Soler hit the first, uh, you know, the first swing of the World Series. There was a two-zero count, but it was the first swing. He hit, um, you know, he had a home run, and it was the first ever leadoff home run in to start a World Series for an away team. And then Game One, obviously, but being the first batter of the World Series. So there's been a couple in Game One uh, that the home team hit a leadoff home run. I think Chris Taylor did a couple years ago. Is yeah, that, they were the right? home team. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think so. There's been a couple where the home team let off game one with a home run uh and i think uh alcides escobar might have done that for the royals uh that ball that he hit off of cespedes um a few years ago but um but yeah so that that's happened a couple times but never for the away team first first batter of the game hit a home run uh and then the braves broke another record um by scoring in the first three innings of the world series they scored two in the first uh, one in the second, two in the third on a Duval home run. So uh, it was very interesting start to game one and an exciting start for the Braves. Yeah, I actually did not get to watch much of either one of these games, um, really. But, you know, obviously the Jorge Soler home run was big. I think Austin Riley had a big double in the was yes. in the first as well. Uh, yeah, Riley doubled in the first after Albies got a hit. Yeah, and then um, the big story of that game that, you know, I noticed, or not that I noticed, but, you know, that came out of the game for me is what Charlie Morton did. Um, he ended up getting a comebacker coming off his leg. I think it was like 106 or 110 yeah. off the bat or something. Um, obviously, he was limping around for a while, but then gets back on the mound. I think he throws 10 pitches um, and gets out of that inning with a strikeout and then a, like a ground out or something. And then come sits in the dugout the entire, I think it was like 27 minutes, they said he was in the dugout, comes back out, and then on six pitches strikes out Jose Altuve, um, says he can't go anymore. They pull him out of the game, and then x-rays find out that he had a broken leg the entire time while he was doing that, still throwing 98. Yeah, that was one of the most incredible things that I've ever seen. Um, you know, the last pitch to uh, Altuve, who he, he struck out Altuve on some nasty pitches. I mean, it was like, high fastballs at 98 then dropped a perfect curveball right down on the right out on the corner um on the down and away and it was the last pitch when he landed you could just tell he was in 
major pain, limping around, barely could land on his, his right foot when he came. He, he obviously pushes off his right leg and plants or plants with his left, but then when, on the follow-through, his light, right leg comes back down, and he just couldn't – he could barely put weight on it when he came back down. And you knew that something was wrong. The trainer came out and took him out of the game. And, you know, you were kind of hoping since he pitched another, you know, inning and a third or whatever it was – uh, that, you know, it's probably a bruise or something that swelled up a little bit and, uh, you know, he could be back, but they took him back and x-ray showed a fracture. So really incredible. You, you kind of go back to some of those moments in, in World Series history. You talk about the bloody sock and um, that Kurt Schilling had back in, was like, oh, was that with the Red Sox in 04 maybe? Or was it with the Diamondbacks? Uh, I think it was with the Red Sox, I believe. Red Sox. That's, that's, yeah, I think it was the Red Sox. You, you go back and look at that. And you look at, you know, some of these other moments of uh, like Kurt Gibson home run. I know that's not a pitcher, but, you know, Kurt Gibson hitting the home run with the, all the injuries and uh, some of those type of things. But uh, this is one of the more incredible things I've seen with a guy literally on his push-off leg was broken and he – struck out two guys and got like four, four, five straight outs on 16 pitches. So uh, that was, um, and that those extra outs he got ended up being a huge deal in the game too. Yeah. And then he, after the game, he went in the dugout and apologized to all his teammates for breaking his leg Yeah, or for like getting his leg broken. Like, dude, that is not your fault. You just took a hundred and like 10 mile an hour comebacker off your leg. Yeah. That's, that's, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't understand why he was apologizing, but obviously, I guess he was apologizing for you know not being able to go the distance or something. But man, that was. Uh, I don't think know, anyone's gonna. I, yeah, like I, I, I agree. Like I, I can't couldn't believe that. And I mean, you know, you're at a certain point where it's kind of like you know, what do you say? But, um, but what Charlie Morton did on doing you know pitching through that was so impressive because and and it and it really was probably made it might have been the difference in this game because the Braves were able to bridge use AJ Minter who pitched three innings to bridge to the deeper part of the bullpen which was really 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 important here because um you know you look at you look at the Braves bullpen and once you get behind those those top three or four guys I mean, you're looking at maybe Jesse Chavez, Chris Martin, uh, or you know maybe even a rookie like Dylan Lee or or somebody coming into this game. But AJ Minter came in and pitched three or two. I think it was two and two thirds innings after the Morton injury, um, and then Luke Jackson pitched an inning and a third, who self-proclaimed the Dodgers as his dad and said he was <laughs> the only reason that. You know, he just couldn't get them out, but he would get whoever was up next out. <laughs> so um, he he did, and he did very well. He struck out a couple guys. I think he gave up a little weak hit. And then Tyler Matzik came in, and of course Tyler Matzik did Tyler Matzik things. So um, it was definitely a, a very well played game by the Braves in Game One. They were able to close it out six to two. This was the final. It was actually the you know the Braves played in the World Series in '99. But it was actually their first World Series win since 96. They got swept in 99. And it was also a broken eight-game losing streak in the World Series. And in 96, they had a two-games-to-none lead on the Yankees. And they lost four straight. And then in uh, 99, they lost all four to the Yankees. So they had lost eight straight World Series games, which was kind of interesting that this broke that that streak in Game 1. Yeah, it was. that is pretty interesting. I didn't know that at all until you just said that. But uh, it was big for Atlanta in general in, in Houston. Um, to get game one in Houston 
and then have the luxury of, hey, if we win game two, then great. We're up 2-0 going home. But if we leave Houston split 1-1, go back to Atlanta, we have a chance to close it out in front of our fans if we can win three straight. Um, you know, So that game was very pivotal for, for the Braves, and especially since they did it right in the first inning. I mean, they didn't even give anybody time to settle in. First batter of the game hits a homer. Um, so the Braves had to be feeling good after game one for sure. Um, but then game two happened and, uh, Max free did not look good. I, I don't know if you can notice a difference. His last couple of postseason starts, he just hasn't looked the same. Well, I, I tell you, especially with this last start, um, I think he looked good. I really do. The, the hits that he gave up were, it was one of the most unlucky string of hits I've ever seen. There is, there was not a single ball that got out of the air coming out of the infield, except for one in the entire inning that he gave up five runs in the second inning. There was not, there was one ball that got up out of the, um, got up over the, um, got out of the infield on, on, on the fly. And it was a, a single by Michael Brantley. Like it was all just through the shift, um, against the shift, weak choppers that got through, um, you know, there was a mistake on the infield. Um, and then he came back out in the first inning. He didn't look that great. But after that, he came back out in the, you know, and, and through a very important three more innings for the Braves to, um, you know, to kind of rest that bullpen after like, like we talked about them being so taxed, um, you know, they were so taxed in game one after the Morton injury. So it was – so Max Freed, there was some talk that he might have been tipping his pitches a little bit too because I think four of the pitch – four out of the six hits that the Astros had against him were on pitches out of the zone. So there was a little bit of talk about him maybe um, maybe tipping his pitches a little bit. There was talk about that during the Dodgers game as well because when they were facing the Dodgers, they were all over everything. Like if he threw a curveball, which rarely gets hit, like they were on it perfectly every time. It wasn't like they guessed curveball and, and got lucky on it or something a couple of times. Like it was every single time when he threw fastballs every time. And his stuff honestly looked better than it has. I mean, he was throwing harder. His curveball was pretty good looking, had good shape to it. I mean, his slider last night was the best I've ever seen it. And sometimes when you face a really good lineup, um, you know, it just doesn't work out. And that ended up being the case. I mean, whether he was tipping pitches or whatever, the Astros did a good job putting the ball in play and they hit it through the shift a bunch. They were going against the grain and uh, it was one of those kind of unlucky outings that you hope, you know, that happens sometimes. And if it was in the regular season, nobody would think anything of it. The stuff looks good. The The pitcher, you know, he was, he looked good. I mean, but he gave up runs and, you know, if it was the regular season, nobody would talk about it. But the fact that it was World Series game two, where a win puts you up two games to none and a really commanding lead, um, you know, it, it is. It ended up being what it was. But uh, definitely, um, you know, definitely looked okay. Uh, the the, the uh, Astros starter, Jose Urquidy, looked pretty good. Um, he was featuring a lot more breaking stuff than he usually does, which is a good move against the Braves, who hammer fastballs. So that was a good move by uh, Jose Urquidy to mix in a lot more breaking stuff early. And um, it was able to keep the Braves a little bit off balance, get him through five pretty good innings after really not pitching well at all in the championship series. Yeah, it was it give him five innings. And then you had uh, Christian Javier come in and he threw an inning and a third, um, only gave up one hit. And then the rest of that bullpen, I mean, um, Phil Maton, Presley to Graveman, you know, they didn't even give up a hit the rest of the time. Um, Presley striking out two and Graveman striking out one. Um, to end the game, and then that 
you know, Houston wins this game seven, two, and now it's one, one going back to Atlanta. Um, Atlanta has a chance now if, if they're able to sweep the series at home to close it out. Um, but that's going to be tough against this Houston team, especially with, um, the, I don't know what the Braves are going to do in a game four um, or five, even now with Morton not being on the roster. Yeah. So, so um, for, for tomorrow's game, game three, uh, we're going to have Ian Anderson facing Luis Garcia. So, uh, you know, Garcia, yeah, it should be. It's, it's honestly two real similar pitchers because when it comes to that, maybe not stuff wise, but we you know when it comes to the situation they're in, um, you know, Garcia is a guy who is a little inconsistent, but has had a really good year for a while. He was kind of the front runner for rookie of the year in the American league. And I think Wander Franco is going to end up winning that, but, um, he was, uh, you know, he was really good and, um, you know, played, played well, pitched well. Um, uh, and, and then in the championship series, you saw him come out in the first game. And I mean, wasn't he the one that started the game with the two, I know he gave up a bunch of runs, but he started the two grand slam game, didn't he? um i believe so but let me check that yeah quick. so it was either the two grand slam game or the one that they gave up one grand slam but it went down by like no it nine was runs. The, it was the two grand slam game okay yeah so he gave up like eight runs and two innings but then he came back in the, and in game six just shut the door on, on the red Sox. he didn't allow a hit in the first five innings and was really really good so then you have ian anderson on the other side who i think is a pretty good matchup for the for the braves against the houston because if there is a pitch that Houston can struggle against sometimes it's the change up and that's really Anderson's bread and butter some of their guys like like Jordan Alvarez uh, you know Kyle Tucker some of those guys aren't are, are much better against um or, or not maybe not much better but are better against fastball breaking ball than they are against the change up so I think that's going to work out in Anderson's favor but um I think the key for both of those guys is to, is to control throw strikes Anderson has trouble sometimes controlling controlling the baseball and uh, throwing strikes and this is not a case where you can let that bother you and um you know you look at any so so tomorrow's matchup should be pretty pretty good both guys ended up somewhere in a mid threes era this year it should be a pretty you know a pretty normal baseball game and then games four and five for both teams really um it's really tough to see where the pitching is going to come from because i think you might see zach grinky for the astros in game four but zach grinky is a guy who's spent a lot of the year not pitching. Um, you know, he's had battle injuries and he did not pitch well at all against the uh against the Red Sox. He only pitched like an inning or something against the Red Sox, just didn't pitch well. And um, you know, he's not the same as he once was, especially after battling injuries this year. And then the Braves, uh game four was always gonna be a bullpen game. Uh and you just never know with game four and five that the, they brought up Tucker Davidson. Um to replace, um, to replace uh, Charlie Morton, which was a pretty good move. Uh, got a lefty arm who, you know, when he pitched in the major leagues, pitched extremely well this year. But he also had, a, you know, a forearm strain that kept him out for a large portion of the season. And came back and was throwing down at AAA and, and in the, you know, in the in the camp. So, uh, you know, apparently he must have looked pretty good down there. And then you've also got. Um, you know, you, you've also got uh, uh, right-handed pitcher Kyle Wright, who for the last two months pitched extremely well in AAA. A guy who's really embattled, was a top prospect, a number five pick in the draft, has had few times he's looked good in the big leagues, but really has never put it together for more than one start. And you could see him pitch in a really limited 
start on uh, in game five, or maybe you have an opener and then he's the bulk guy for two or three innings, that type of thing. So um, I think you'll probably see, um, you know, both of those be bullpen games, but you're going to see guys pitch for, you know, three innings a piece or something. I think you'll probably see, if I had to guess game four, I think you would probably see a start from AJ Minter um, pitch two or three innings and then go with a, maybe go with a uh, Tucker Davidson or a Kyle Wright or somebody who Kyle Wright, by the way, looked really good pitching last night. It was a very low leverage situation, but um, if you're the Braves, you just got to get it to the seventh inning. Cause once you get it to the seventh inning, you've got your big three guys out of the bullpen, um, you know, to, to, to do it. And, you know, you've got a few guys that can maybe get you there without giving up a ton of damage. You know, you got Jesse Chavez who can maybe pitch two innings and not give up a lot of damage. Um, and then for the, when you look at the Astros, I think game four will probably be basically a straight bullpen game with, with Grinky. But then game five, I would assume Fromber Valdez starts, but he got rocked in game one. So we'll see, um, you know, we'll see what that looks like in game five. He did pitch. He did get rocked in one game of the ALCS and he came back and pitched a great second start in the ALCS. So I'm sure the Astros hope that that ends up being the case for him to come back and make a really good start after a bad start. But uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what these next three games look like. Yeah, for sure. And like you'd said with uh, Valdez as well, Garcia did the same thing in the yep. ALCS as well. So maybe you do see a bounce back from Framber Valdez. But it's going to be interesting because both of these teams, like you said, they're going to have multiple bullpen games coming up through here. Um, and three days in a row, that's a big thing in the playoffs. Um you know, them playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if they do have to throw too many bullpen games, how that could wear on a team. Because say the Braves are, are throwing basic two modified bullpens, say one's a straight bullpen game, and then game, uh, say game five or game four is a, uh, you know, Tucker Davidson start and then a bullpen game. And then what if Freed, you know, Max Freed gets lit up again in, in game five on Sunday, then you're into a third straight bullpen day and game. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the, you know, the whole gymnastics of the bullpens really works out in the rest of the series. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that uh, Max Freed could maybe pitch on short rest in game five, but I would expect to see him more in game six, unless you're in a, uh, unless you're in a situation where it's a, um, you know, a, a winner go home in game five, you know, if, if, if the Braves are facing elimination game five, I think you do see Max Freed on short rest, but, um, but you could oh, see, I, yeah, but you could, I mean, you could see, I, you know, I could see him pitching on, you know, short rest. I, uh, but I, I totally forgot. He didn't start game one. Yeah. I yeah. I more, thought he did. Yeah. No, it's all good. But, but what I was kind of saying is, you know, you, you need for the Braves that they, they probably do need Ian Anderson to go at least five innings tomorrow. Because, um, you know, in, in the series against L.A., he didn't pitch five innings. He could have probably pitched five innings in the second in the in the clincher in the in game six. I mean, he was on track to definitely get through five innings. But, you know, the kind of the, the game situation, they wanted to go with a pinch hitter with guys on base in the fifth inning. Uh, or in the, in the fourth inning. So it ended up working out with this Rosario home run. And with that being a potential clincher with a, the next day being a bullpen, you know, that your bullpen would, would have only pitched, you know, it would have been back to back more so than three straight games. You weren't quite as worried about saving the bullpen. Um, you look at, um, and you look at this, I mean, Ian Anderson's probably going to need to go five, six innings if possible. But one thing I do like about the Braves bullpen is the fact that they do have a pretty good amount of guys who can give them some length in the pen right now. Um, you know, cause you've got Tucker Davidson, Kyle Wright, Jesse Chavez is definitely a two inning guy and you've got, um, 
you know, you've even got Drew Smiley out there still. He's a guy that can give you two, three innings, a guy who's typically been a starter in his career. So, I mean, you do have a pretty good amount of length in their bullpen where if you have an issue getting through four innings, you can bring guys in. The only problem is that, you know, you're probably booting games when you do that. So if, you know, if Ian Anderson goes three innings and the score is six to six, then, you know, if you're the Braves, you want to put in a bulk guy because, you know, it's going to be hard to, you know, because it's a tied game, but it's a tied game and you're kind of stuck, you know. So one thing that I've always found interesting about the postseason is sometimes it's better to lose big than to lose close because when you lose big, you can save that pin. Like like with the Braves' own in game two, you know, they had Matzik, Minter, and Jackson threw a lot of pitches in game one. So the fact that they were losing pretty big, they were down four or five runs the whole game, you know, honestly helped them more so than losing by one run. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's difficult. And sometimes those games are super difficult to manage because if you get down one or two runs, you know, what are you going to do? You can't throw the game. You're in the World Series. And, you know, at this point, it's the best of five. I mean, but, uh, you know, I think both teams have a, have a reason to like where they sit. So I think if you're the Braves, you like, where you sit because you took one out of two in Houston. Now you have home field advantage. You know, you get three home games, uh, you know, and, and Houston at most gets two home games now. Um, so you, you took home field advantage from them. And if you're, if you're Houston, you like where you sit because, you know, the Braves have some um, uncertainty in that pitching rotation right now, which of course Houston does too. But I think most people would agree that Houston probably has a better offense. So, um, you know, if if you're the Braves, you're kind of banking on having that better rotation coming in with Charlie Morton and Freed, and then whatever you could get from the rest of your guys was, was you know, pretty good. But now without Morton, you know, you're probably going to have to stretch a little bit thinner, and it's going to be make it more difficult. But so one of the things we love about baseball, the fact that this is a very, very evenly matched World Series, and both of these teams are very good and playing, you know, playing good baseball right now. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens here, uh, here in the next few days. It'll, it's going to be very, very entertaining close to this World Series. Yeah, it absolutely is going to be. Um, and glad it's on the weekend so we can maybe have some time to watch it a little bit more. I've been so busy during this week. <laughs> yeah, but, I feel uh, that. But, uh, you know, sorry, this is going to be a little shorter episode. We're going to wrap it up right here. Like I said, we, you know, we're trying to cram this back in after a couple days after we uh, originally had already did it. But, um you know, we'll see how the series goes over the weekend. I'm not quite sure when we'll do our next one, if we'll do it on Monday or on Thursday after the series is over for sure. Yeah, we would probably try, depending on depending on how the series goes, but I think if we have a, a series that's going back to Houston for Game 6, yeah. um, that we would probably try to do it Monday because um, the game, game 6 would be on Tuesday and Game 7 would be on Wednesday. So I think we would probably go with, with, a, with a Monday. But if the Braves win it uh, over the weekend with three straight wins – then I think you would probably we'd probably just wait till Tuesday to do our normal normal recording yeah. time. So we'll figure that all out but, but off off air. But um, you know, like I said, sorry for making this one so short again and, and being a little bit more rushed. But uh, thank you guys for for tuning into this episode of the Bat Flip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks everybody.